Wow, the, the shots started falling tonight, huh, David? He certainly did. They, uh, on both sides, frankly. You know, the Jazz defense has been being gotten very fortunate recently uh, as well on the amount of threes that they have been able to have opponents miss. That's actually a weird thing for most people to realize, but actually three-point shooting defense is very lock-oriented. They went 18 of 35 today. You don't win a lot of games when your opponent goes 18 of 35, so that's a nice tribute to the Jazz for having that great level of offense. And I thought the defense, Ben, in the fourth quarter was outstanding. Well, yeah, and I'll pull this up because, David, as you mentioned, I mean, how often do you see a team knock down 18 threes and not break the century mark scoring? I bet you that's only happened a handful of times in the history of the NBA. So that's a, you know, that's a credit to the Jazz defense. And as you mentioned, you know, sometimes your, uh, your, your defensive numbers, Jazz were number two coming into the night uh, as far as three-point defense went. But, yeah, if, if you're getting wide-open shots, which a lot of teams still are early in the season, sometimes that just comes down to luck. Well, I thought, you know, the Jazz took advantage of exactly what they should have tonight. You, you, and that's, you know, that's, I think, the sign of a good team, Ron, is you're playing Atlanta. They're without two of their main guys. So Kevin Herter filled the gap for them. I don't think they were hurt by that. That Even when it happened, I said, you know, I'm not sure that's a bad thing. They've been fighting for possessions internally. They have all sorts of kind of guys not accepting their roles. It's not the worst thing for them. But what you had from the Jazz standpoint is what do you do? You double team them a little bit. You take advantage, and then this is a team, for whatever reason, Atlanta is just awful defensively, and the Jazz took advantage. Well, they have not been, as you just mentioned, very good off defensively, you know, all season long. They get up for 111 points. And and the, the opponents are shooting 46% from the field. So defensively is probably what's been hurting this team because they're scoring at 108 clip. So... You know, they were four and six, what, last year, five and six going into, you know, tonight's game last season. So they have some uh, soul-searching to do. I mean, they have to find out why of what's going on with, with this basketball team right now. They're one of the more interesting stories in the league, quite frankly. I don't know, Ben Anderson, would you put the panic button if you were an Atlanta Hawks fan? Yeah, after some of the comments of, of how they're approaching this season to that seeing not translate onto the floor and how, you know, Trey Young talked about how it's just not as exciting as playoff basketball. Yeah, that's the hard part. You know, the, the fun part is playoff basketball for the fans, for the players, but it's what you do in those first 82 games of the season that gets you ready for that, uh, for those, for, the, for that enjoyable part of the season. If you can't find it, it's a real easy way to, uh, to break up a team early in a season that, that had high expectations. And as we know, high expectations can be a death knell for some teams. Hey, going back to my stat really quick, David. Uh, Ten times in the history of the NBA now has a team scored fewer than 100 points and, shot and made more than 18 threes or 18 or more. They've lost every single time that that's happened. So, Wait, Owen, give us two again? If you've made 18, 18 or more threes and failed to break the century mark scoring, which has happened ten times in NBA history, oh my those teams are 0 for 10. But that's wow. incredible that years only ha that's only having 10. I mean, I haven't looked at cleaning the glass yet. What did they shoot from two? Yeah, I'll have to pull that up. I haven't looked either. Let's see if we could do, don't do math on the air. We'll probably do that quick. The highest field goal percentage overall two point in these losses in these games was 44%. So yeah, you just have to shoot so poorly from inside the arc and then really well from outside the arc uh, and you still lose these games. That's crazy. Ben Anderson, look at you. I know how to use some of the numbers. Where'd you learn that? <laughs> you know, it's a decade in the it's a decade in the works. <laughs> they were nine. This is actually interesting. Is they were nine of thirty-two on mid-range jumpers. So you know, like live and die by the three. Like so, Atlanta died by the two tonight. <laughs> yeah. That's actually what happened. 
So you sure you can look at it that way? Yeah, they went 9 of 32 on mid-range shots. So it could have been they were living by the three-point shot, so they didn't get any twos. But they took 32. If they had some twos, they would have scored more. They probably would have had a no, better, they took 32. better percentage. That's a lie. <laughs> they took 28% of their shots. Or no, they took 37% of their shots as mid-range shots tonight. They lived and died by the two. After we got beat by the two the other night. I'll... Uh, 82 Chicago. games, 82 games, I'm always willing to let someone try to beat us by the two. If you couldn't tell, Ben, we've stumbled into uh, a, a conflict with uh, David yeah. and Ron. Where to get bit. your shots? We're, we're just here. <laughs> it's all right. It's what makes the broadcast If great. I had Ron Boone on my team, he could shoot two. There you go. Automatic. As long not as we the, needed a lottery pick. not the first fight we've had. No. <laughs> hey, well, you guys were great tonight. Uh, we appreciate it, as always. See All right, there you go. David and Ron, of course, bringing you the action every single game. 110 to 98 your final. We're breaking it down next. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson filling in for Coach Tim Lacombe tonight. Appreciate your uh, fine work, Ben. 110 to 98. Is your final. The Jazz beat the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, the Jazz, uh, kind of the return of the three-point shot, Ben, uh, shooting 39.5%, 15 of 38, led by Donovan Mitchell, 27 points. Donovan himself, 11 of 20 from the field, 5 of 11 from three. Yeah, Jazz were, uh, you know, Jazz finally knocked some shots down. And, you know, as uh, the team liked to talk about before the game, Quinn Snyder mentioned it, you know, it's not just about threes. And the Jazz were the number two offense in the NBA, regardless of the fact that they, or despite the fact that they have not knocked down their threes, but I tell you what, it sure helps. It sure makes everything feel a lot smoother. It sure makes the game a lot easier when Atlanta goes out and knocks down, what did they hit, 18 threes? When Atlanta knocks down 18 threes and you can fight fire with fire, that's, I mean, that's the world of sports now. Everyone's yeah. figured out analytics on how to get the most points possible in the least amount of time. Sometimes you have to uh, rely on your shooting because you can't always fix the three-point defense. Seems like it makes everybody's job a little bit easier, right? It, I mean, Donovan Mitchell had a great night tonight, but it didn't feel like it was hard for him, which, of course, I'm totally selling him short because he does nothing but bust his butt out there. But, it, you know, it felt like we had less, you know, where Donovan's getting beat up on his way to the basket because when you're making threes, it opens up the floor and it makes everybody's job a little bit easier. No, it just makes it makes everyone happier. It makes everyone move freer. I mean, the, the frustration was palpable from just watching Jordan Clarkson. I mean, you could feel it. You could it feel felt it. heavy. Everything yeah. he did felt really heavy. Every turnover felt, you know, magnified and multiplied. And that just wasn't the case uh, as the Jazz got the, the, you know, relatively easy win. It, it was close. Atlanta stayed around because Kevin Herter kept hitting shots, but it never felt like it was truly in doubt. No. And Jordan Clarkson himself was very good. 16 points tonight, 6 of 12 shooting, 4 of 9 from 3, and tried to get that dunk. Yep. Loved that strong move, went up for the dunk, didn't quite get it, but... Uh, Felt like he was playing with a little bit more force. And you're right, it did It did have that feeling of frustration. You felt frustrated for Jordan Clarkson. And then you knew it was going to come around. You know, it was not a matter of if it certainly was when. And, uh, you know, he had a quintessential Jordan Clarkson game tonight and, uh, and played great coming off the bench. In fact, uh, six Jazz players in double figures tonight, including Clarkson and, uh, and Donovan Mitchell. So spread the scoring route a little bit, got contributing performances from a variety of different players, and got nice games from Donovan Mitchell. Rudy had 9-14 uh, with two block shots tonight, and uh, Hassan Whiteside was good once again coming in off the bench. Yeah, he continues to play really well, so that's a, that's a promising sign. And uh, you were talking about Jordan Clarkson. You know, not, not his best night of the season. That was certainly last Thursday against Atlanta when he had 30 points and 25 in the second half. But the most 
real Jordan Clarkson performance. Sure. I mean, this is if you can get this from him every night, which is what the Jazz did through, you know, from October or I guess it was December through felt like, you know, maybe February or, or March last year where he was just spectacular to start the season. He cooled off after the All-Star break a little bit, but he was so good to start the season because he was doing this every night. And you're like, okay, the Jazz aren't going to lose if he plays like this. Nope. Because he gives you such a scoring punch. He comes in and replicates so much of the stuff that Donovan Mitchell's able to do that makes him so difficult. If he can come back and, and do this again for the Jazz, they're going to be in really good shape, and this is what you need from him. Well, combine, uh, combine that with Hassan Whiteside, and the other team just doesn't get a break when the Jazz players come off the floor. They still have to deal with that and, and don't really get a break from it. And that's great team building. I mean, honestly, if, if you can say, you know, so often you say you want somebody who can, you know, change the pace or give you a different dynamic off the floor. But if the dynamic you have in your starting lineup works really well with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and you can get guys who can do that at 85% of the level at 30% of the cost or less, then you're really going to be cooking. And if you can do it for a full 48 minutes, it's just, it doesn't stop. And that's one of the things that, you would see last year teams would attack the rim when Rudy Gobert went yep. off the floor. Teams are trying to do it right now to Hassan Whiteside, and they're not having any success. It's not working, Ben. No, it's a big-time advantage, and Jazz are going to win a lot of basketball games when they play those complete games, not necessarily perfect games, but when they get a little bit of uh, everything from uh, role players to certainly the top-end guys. And then defensively, we talked about it with Lock and Boone quite a bit. They were very good tonight. Yeah, if you hold a team to 18 points in the fourth quarter, you're going to have a good chance to win games, even if they do knock down 18 threes. And Really, the key for the Jazz was probably the the you know the flipping the script of what happened in Orlando, which is Jazz were on the second night of a back to back. Jazz played well through three quarters, got tired late, and you know the things that were keeping them in the game abandoned them. And the other team that was playing at home, the situation, the Jazz on Sunday, it was the Magic. They just they have those advantages. They're they're healthier. They're you know out there playing with more energy, and it allowed them to get the win. With that, we will say good night to our network stations. Next broadcast coming your way on Thursday night. The Jazz take on the Indiana Pacers right here at Vivint Arena. Tip off, as I mentioned, a little after 7 o'clock. Uh, 110 to 98 is your final Jazz beat the Hawks. For those of you sticking around with us, we've got post-game sound for you, and we'll continue to break this one down as well next here on the Jazz Radio Network. Catch and shoot three. Clock is at zero, and another Utah Jazz game is in the books. This is the Jazz Post Game Show. Ingles underhand scoop to Conley. Back out to Joe. Fires the three. Presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Donovan skies and hammers. Now with the recap of tonight's game, here's Jake Scott and Tim LaCole. Jazz Game Night Post Game Show. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson in tonight. Of course, uh, does his fine work at kslsports.com. Also 10 to noon right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Post Game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Featuring the My Subaru is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. Your final score tonight, the Jazz beat the Hawks 110 to 98 here at Vivint Arena behind 27 points uh, from Donovan Mitchell. Bogdanovich added 16. Jordan Clarkson with 16 coming in off the bench. Mike Conley with 12. Royce O'Neal with 11. Hassan Whiteside with 10. Rudy Gobert added 9 to go along with 14 rebounds for the Hawks. Uh, Kevin Herter had a great night with 28 points. 6 of 9 from 3. 11 of 18 from the field. Trey Young 27 on 10 of 21 shooting. 5 of 11 from 3. Clint Capella had 13. Cam Reddish 
had 16 coming in off the bench. But outside of that, uh, those four guys, Ben, Atlanta, short on a couple of their key players, did not ha- have a whole lot of gas in the tank. No, they certainly didn't, and that ended up being the major difference, uh, as you talked about. You know, outside of Cam Reddish off the bench, who was fabulous with 16 points on just 6, tw- six of 12 shooting and 4 of 6 from the three-point line. You love that from your six-man. But they got just a total of seven points from DeLon Wright, Gorgie Jang, Danilo Gallinari, and Lou Williams. So, Oh, and, and Timothy Luau Carabo. So uh, that's, that's tough. You're just not getting enough from those guys that are making up the end of your bench. And, you know, I mean, that's seven points from a total of 31 minutes. Yeah. That's just tough. That's just not enough. Production. Or John Collins only had seven points, and he's supposed to be their second-best uh, second player. Yeah. Or I would say is. I shouldn't say supposed to be. He is uh, their second-best player. They're having major issues right now. This is not a very good Atlanta Hawks team. They're, they've got one win on the road right now. They're just 4-8 and eight overall in the season. I mean, can you imagine going to the conference finals and feeling like, hey, our superstars arrived? And then the next year you come out by investing and bringing back all these pieces and finding veterans to put around them, and you come back and you can't win games. That's It gets scary. It gets scary quickly, and, and you just have to respect the game, and that's something that I think the, the Hawks have gotten away from early. Well, this is how they started last year, remember, and then they yeah. had a coaching change in December and then were the best team in the NBA for a stretch uh, in, the, in the second half of the year where they were really going well. So maybe you know dysfunction is the name of the game for the Hawks until they f- figure it out. However, I would not expect a midseason coaching change. Uh, to spur it this time, and McMillan's probably going to have to figure out how to get that done. No, Nate McMillan's a great coach, and that's the guy you want to have and you know, is in the right spot, but these guys have to uh, to step up now and live up to those roles. Speaking of coaches, let's get some postgame sound going. Let's go down to the media room and hear from Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. We know sometimes we drop them in the backcourt or the second guy over there. Were you just trying to show them different looks? I think anytime you know, you've got a player that, that's that dynamic um, with the ball, you know, to you know, anything you can do to be disruptive, um, you know, can be helpful. And you're obviously giving something up at the other end. Um, but as I said, if, you know, if he gets the ball back, maybe there's a little something in the shot clock. It's, you know, nothing's perfect. And you know, there were times that that hurt us. But you know, that's what um, you know a great player can do. Obviously, you know, Rudy got into foul trouble, but. Well, you you I'll repeat what you said. It, it, he really it, I think I think he was as you said, when 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 Rudy has gotten in, in foul trouble, it's happened before, you know, to still have you know that rim protection. Um and I think he got better in pick and roll as the game went along. Kind of, he's still finding his way a little bit. Um, we're finding our way a little bit in those, some of those covered situations where you know how high should we be up, how far back, and when. Um, but he competed, you know, and, and uh, some big offensive rebounds as well. Where are you seeing from Donovan from a game management aspect of running of running? Well, I, I think we, you know, I've, I've said it before, you know, it, it, to me, Tony, it's 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 less about running the team and managing the game as it is just making the right play, you know, and, you know, he's capable of doing a lot of things on the court, um, whether he's off the ball or his hand on the ball. I mean, that that's obviously a strength of our team you know, when he and Mike are out there together and, um, you know, they play together that way. And, you know, that that's that's what we, we want. I want our guys, I want us to defend 
and just to try to make the right play. And the right play is not just the guy with the ball. The right play is spacing, the precision that we need because you know, the guy with the ball can't make the right play if other people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, but what did you like, especially on your guards in that last stretch where these guys just You know, I, I think, you know, our guards and our big, we were, we were, we were more, we were communicating better in some switching situations where, um, you know, when it's hard uh, to stay in front. All right, there you go. That's uh, Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder and his uh, post game media availability. Ben, anything stand out to you there? Uh, you know, j- just talking about what how well Donovan Mitchell's playing right now, and I know he hasn't shot the ball particularly well so far this season, but he's doing everything else at a superstar level and. As we've talked about, you know, if you're a good shooter, the shots will eventually fall. And Donovan Mitchell, I think, has entered his name into the category of a very good shooter. His spot-up numbers, as Locke talks about a lot, are some of the best in the NBA. Not just last season, but really over the last few years. He's just been terrific on that front. So if he's more engaged defensively, which he has been this year, and something he's talked about a lot, Jake, I know we've talked on the radio a bunch about it. You know, it's something he's talked about, and he said that's how he got on the floor at Louisville, but it's never really shown up as part of his reputation here once he's gotten to the league. If he gets back to that point and can be a good defensive player on the perimeter, you know, sky's the limit for this Jazz team because he can be that good of a two-way player. I give him a lot of credit uh, for the improvement he's made on Huge. defense. Yeah, I I thought that was the next step in his game, and certainly I don't know if he's arrived at you know all NBA first team sure. status quite yet. But I I thought that was the next step for him, and I give him a lot of credit for putting in a lot of time and effort and and figuring out a way to get uh, get better on that end of the floor. And you know what, he doesn't need to be. Kawhi Leonard, where he's going to guard the other team's best player the whole game. No. But, you know, on dynamic guards, if he can have some impact minutes, you know, if he can pick up, I don't know how much he guarded Trey Young tonight, but just as an example, if he can take some minutes where he plays effective basketball against some of those players, you know, that's a huge deal. Royce O'Neal uh, does a great job for the role that they're asking him to play, but the role that they're asking him to play is monstrous. Yep. He has to guard the best player the whole game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a tough gig for Royce O'Neal, and if there's any way that the team can take some of the pressure off him and others, I think that's a that's a big deal, and Donovan can be a part of that, certainly. And as good as he is, Royce O'Neal, you know, it's hard to be his size and then be expected to guard the Trey Youngs of the world right. effectively. Yep. So, you know, because he's just not that quick. He's not that small, and those guys are smart enough to use their leverage and quickness to get underneath him. So, uh, he's traditionally, I think, fared better against bigger wings. Royce O'Neal, you know, he can he can stay tough with some of those guys, but the Trey Youngs of the world are always going to be tough. And Trey Young and Kevin Herter were good tonight. You know, you got out of them what you needed to. Now they had the worst plus minus on the team, uh, the two of them combined. Uh, Herter was minus twenty despite putting in twenty eight points, and Trey Young was minus seventeen despite, uh, uh, or, or I should say, Trey Young was minus fifteen despite putting in twenty seven points. But uh, if you can get just a little make their night a little bit more difficult because of the work of Donovan Mitchell and certainly Mike Conley as well. That will just go an extremely long way for the Jays. Yeah, it'll make uh, an already great defensive team even better because perimeter defense has been an issue. And we're seeing this theme continue uh, from the Jazz right now that that we didn't see at all last year, which was the Jazz winning the Donovan Mitchell minutes by huge margins, speaking of plus minus, and not getting a bunch out of the Rudy Gobert or Mike Conley minutes. Mike Conley was actually a minus in the plus minus tonight. He was minus two. Gobert was just plus one. But Donovan Mitchell was plus 15. Boyan Bogdanovich was plus 11. We know they share their minutes a lot together. And then Hassan Whiteside and Jordan Clarkson continue to be pretty good. You know, Jordan Clarkson wasn't shooting well, but some of his plus minus minutes early in the year were pretty solid. They were both plus 14. How much do you think that has to do with Hassan Whiteside? Talking about Donovan Mitchell's plus minus, just because, 
you know, Donovan used to play with that bench roll, and it was almost an automatic minus because they, as you mentioned earlier in the show, would attack the rim so much yep. and take advantage of Rudy being off. That you know, Donovan could have a great offensive stretch, but they weren't necessarily going to be plus minutes necessarily. But you look at plus, uh, Hassan Whiteside's uh, minutes tonight, plus fourteen. And I don't know. We'd have to go back and look how many games that Derek Favors had plus 10 in the plus minus. It probably wasn't very many. No, uh, and I think it is. It's, it's entirely the work that, uh, well, not entirely, but, you know, it, it's a lot of the work that, that Hassan Whiteside has put in. And I'll eat crow on that decision. You know, I just did not see how that was going to work out. I did not know how much he had left in the tank. When I had watched him previously try to play 30 minutes a game, I didn't see this type of consistent effort or care factor. And he's blocking shots, and he's waving his finger to the crowd, and he's pumping his chest, and he's trying to get everyone excited to come out and play and, and you know, support the team. And it's, it's impressive. I just did not know that Hassan Whiteside had that switch in him, and he certainly flipped it uh, when he joined the Jazz. And, you know, he believes in what they're asking him to do. The Jazz believe in what he's able to offer, and he's come out, and he's just been absolutely terrific, in my opinion. I want to remind you about the Utah Jazz Most Valuable Educators program presented by Instructure Makers of Canvas. Throughout the season, the Utah Jazz and Instructure will recognize 21 MVEs. Each one will receive a visit from Jazz Bear, a $1,000 grant, a personalized jersey, tickets to see a jazz game in a suite. Go to nba.com slash jazz slash MVE to nominate your favorite educators now. The Jazz... Come away with a win over the Atlanta Hawks tonight with a count of 110 to 98. Postgame is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru uh, and the My Subaru Is campaign featuring real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own at MySubaruIs.com. We'll get your player sound coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. It's the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson sitting in tonight for Coach Tim Lacombe. Post game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. Jazz win tonight. They beat the Hawks 110 to 98 here at uh, Vivint Arena. Let's get a look at your points in the paint. Brought to you by Serta Pro Painters. Call 1 800 Go Serta or visit certapro.com. That's Serta with a C. Serta Pro Painters. Proof trusted experts in painting tonight's uh, points in the paint ben uh let's see here jazz outscored the hawks 42 to 34 which uh is actually a much wider gap than i would think atlanta usually very good at uh, getting things going to the basket and as poorly as they played from mid-range but uh, honestly they made 18 threes ben as you point out that uh, they must have been terrible from two at the rim or not considering they did not crack 100 points in this one yeah pretty tough to do when you uh when you make that when you knock down that many threes but john collins goes just three of 11 and that's a guy who should be pretty good in the paint he's a big lob target solomon hill went oh of two DeLon Wright, we know, doesn't take a lot of threes. He took two, missed them both, but also missed his two shots inside the arc. So, yeah, just too many misses at the rim. But, hey, that's why you have 48 minutes of rim protection like we talked about. That's yes. what it does for the Jazz. Yeah, great point. And to go back to your uh, question about how many times was uh, was Derek Favors a plus 10 or better, it was close to eight or nine times last year, but okay. plus 14 was only three times. So, right. you know, Hassan Whiteside seems to be doing that every couple of games. You know, he's having these big plus minus numbers. In fact, far more often than not, Jazz are better when he's on the floor than when he's off, and that's that's an enormous bargain that you're getting for a guy who's on a minimum deal right Huge now. Huge deal. And I wonder how many of those games with Derek Favors in the plus mi- minus, not to turn this into a negative Derek Favors uh, uh, conversation, but, you know, the Jazz waxed a lot of teams last year where they were winning a lot of games by a lot of points, so I wonder how that played in. But I think Hassan Whiteside has been 
I mean, maybe the best addition so far. I mean, we'll see what happens when, when they get Rudy Gay and not that Pascal has been bad per se. But <laughs> Jake, if Rudy Gay is better than Hassan Whiteside is, the Jazz are going to win a championship. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true because he's been great. Because he's been really, really, I mean, so much more than you could ever ask for and what you expected to get out of your, uh, your, your backup center. Yeah, and he's been all energy. And and it, what he played twenty three minutes tonight. That's even a little bit on the on the high end. I think right there in the teens is perfect for that dude. Come in, play like a whirling dervish, grab grab a bunch of rebounds, defend the rim, and I don't. Know, maybe he's just not a thirty minute a night type of dude. He's talking right now. Should we throw it down to him? Yeah, let's go ahead. And here's uh, post game comments with Hassan Whiteside. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of times I had got called. I got a little too aggressive. I um we had switched when they wanted to just um kind of give up the mid range, but you know I just kind of got a little aggressive sometimes. And um he got behind me. Uh, but we got better as the game went on, you know. And um and I like I said, it's it's tough because it's tough when them guys can shoot threes like that, like a like a Portland, like um like a like the Warriors, them guys that can really get it going with a big rolling so fast. Um, so, so normally you're looking for, you normally trying to hold the guy up. You trying to stab jab at the, um, at the point guard to the other guy can go. But sometimes, I mean, sometimes they can't get back in front and we just got to switch it after like a couple of dribbles, you know, it happens so fast. I think um, people don't realize how fast you got to react guard pick and rolls. It's, 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 it's really a split second, you know. It's, you're basically playing two-on-one every time. You know, I'm not I'm not going to take all the blunt, all the all the um, credit for that. You know, it's just um, you know, I think it's I think it's a I think it's a, a mixture of <laughs> hold on, bro. I'm not interview. I think it's a mixture of just having great teammates, you know, just them guys is I can trust them guys to help me, you know, and um and and overall it just helped me become a better basketball player. All right, there you go. That's uh that's Hassan Whiteside and his uh, post game media availability tonight. Hassan was very good, ten points. Nine rebounds, uh, also added a block shot. And I'll tell you what, he's he's a great post-game interview, too. This team is full of a lot of great post-game interviews. My biggest question about him was how he was going to impact the locker room and, and, you know, whether he was going to be able to to mesh because he's just he, – he's never felt – he's always felt like a, a, a square peg in a round hole sure. and certainly was last year in Sacramento. But I was really impressed in at Media Day when he said, you know what, I'm an old guy and these guys were all kids and I just, like, didn't have anything to connect with them on. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know what? You're going into a locker room that has Mike Conley and has Rudy Gay and has Jordan Clarkson. A lot of these guys have been in the league for, you know, eight years plus. And Jordan Clarkson's 29. Rudy Gobert's right. 28, 29 now. So, like, maybe you do have, a you know, something more in common with these guys. You're not 21 and getting money for the first time in your life and the difference of, of what that must feel like. Uh, and, and he seems like he's blended well. Seems like everyone likes him. Everyone roots for him on the floor. He used the word there, trust. Said he has a lot of trust in his teammates. He trusts that they're going to uh, have his back. I don't want to, you know, read into it. We certainly didn't cover him with a Miami or Sacramento, but it, it, a, a comment like that strikes me as somebody that hasn't always had that with his teammates. My, my theory on him after media day and kind of watching him through the preseason was he was going to play as well as he felt off the floor. 
Okay. On the court, he was going to be as good as he felt off the floor, and that certainly, I think, has been the case so far because I think he's having fun. He seems to really enjoy being in Utah. He answers a ton of questions. Like you said, he's a great interview. He's fun to talk to, and, and, and he continues to produce. All right, let's keep the player sound going. Let's now uh, throw things back down to the media room and hear from Donovan Mitchell. It just started on the defensive end. You know, we were we were making shots, we're going back and forth. But, you know, when we really honed in our defense, got stops and ran, we pushed the lead open. Um, and I think you saw that, especially in the fourth. I don't think Trey or Kev scored in the fourth. Maybe they did. I, I don't remember. But we made it hard on them. You know, they, they got good looks. And like I said out there, the talented players are going to make shots. But you know, we were able to put stops together consecutively, you know, switching, whatever, breaking up the lob pass, and then executing down there on the offensive end. And that's who we are. And we got to continue to do that from game to game. That was good, you know, good to be back, um, you know, the, the crowd, the atmosphere, you know, whether it's the fourth quarter, trying to get them to miss for, for free fry, um, Kentucky fried chicken or, or Kentucky Chick-fil-A. I mean, um, like that, that I think is, you know, it gives us a boost. You know, it's always good to be back, sleeping in your own bed and all that. So uh, we, we have a home stand. We got to take care of our home court uh, coming up, but it's definitely good to be back. Several players on this team were shooting in the 80s and 90s from free throw. Oh, I was about to say, I was like, <laughs> yeah. 80s and uh -huh. 90s. How, and it's not just a matter of making them, but mm. the times you guys are watching them. Yeah, it's it's a focus. Yeah, it's it's a focus. It's it's just a testament to the reps we've put in, you know, where we're able, even though the shots aren't falling, you know, that's when you really lock in more on the free throws to get a sense of rhythm. Um, that happens to me a lot when I don't necessarily have a shot fall and I try and get to the free throw line to see it go in. And we're just locked in, you know, as a group, you know. Um, and I think that's that's pretty much what it is, just a, a focus on it. I mean, we got to continue to do it, you know, and make it, especially in critical situations. Was it nice to see some shots follow? Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, I, I, and we were executing. And I think it gives you life, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you, you can say all you want about, you know, being able to guard throughout not making shots. And you, you can do that, you know, two times, three times, but it's it's tough to do it consecutively four, five, six, seven times. And this is the truth, you know, but that's what we're hoping to be, you know, to, to be great, you know, and that's what we got to get to. But it's, it's tough at times, you know, when, Shots are from like, man, even the open ones, but you know, to see some shots go in the night, you know, it was, it was good. It felt good. We dropped for 32. Yeah, I dropped 32 points in the first quarter. I didn't know that. Didn't yeah. Know that. How was it? How did oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, it was good, but I, I think, you know, we were more focused on the fact that we gave up, I think it was 28 or 30, you know, off of turnovers, silly plays. I didn't get up on defense, easy, easy, uh, easy things like that. I think that's really where our focus was at. And I think that's what we were all happy, happy about, you know, because the 32 points is, is, is good to see. But, you know, at the end of the day, we could have held them to a 20 ball, a 22 ball, under, under 24. And, that, and I think those little mistakes and executing, that's what you saw progressively throughout the game as we started getting better and better at those situations. There's Donovan Mitchell tonight. Donovan was great. 27 points, uh, 5 of 11 from 3, 11 of 20 from the field, 5 assists and 3 rebounds. But, of course, Donovan starts out his comments right there, Ben, talking about the defense. It's been a theme with him uh, throughout the season, and I'm sure, well, at very least, Coach Quinn Snyder is excited to hear him talk so much about it. And this will be a game you can go back, I guess, and and say, hey, you know, the defense won the Jazz this game because they held them to 98 points. But that that's not what it felt like through the first three quarters. No, I mean, right. Atlanta fell apart in the fourth quarter because – 
they, you know, they got a 50 piece from, from Steph last night and we're out of gas going from, you know, San Francisco to Salt Lake City. It's just, just a brutal back to back. So the Jazz defense through the first three quarters really wasn't brilliant. And that's what Donovan Mitchell talked about. Yeah, they scored 32 in the first, but they gave up 28. And though they were hitting threes finally, Atlanta was able to stick around. But here's the thing. And I, I wrote a big article about this last year, Jake. You have to learn how to win different games in the NBA. You can't just win with one style. It just doesn't work anymore. That's not what the league is. You're not going to be, you know, the 04 Pistons that hold every team to 69 points, 73 points, you know, 59 points occasionally. It's just not going to happen in the league anymore. Sometimes you have to hit 15 threes and shoot 40% because the other team's going to shoot 50%. And then you then your defense starts to pick up a little bit in these spots. So that's what I think the Jazz are going to have to continue to do. It's not how they've won games early in the season, with the exception, ironically, of beating Atlanta last Thursday because Jordan Clarkson got hot and they hit all those threes. They hit 17, which was a season high still so far for the Jazz. But you have to win in different ways, and you won in a different way tonight. Uh, and, yeah, they fell apart in the fourth quarter, and that helped. But the Jazz were probably going to win because they shot the ball well and because they got out and played well offensively, and, and that's a good thing because this, this team needs it. You're right. This game never really did feel that close. No. It did No. No, they were in a good spot. The Jazz, the Jazz were in control from the opening tip. You know, they scored 32 points, and, yeah, it felt like every time the Jazz would go on a run, Kevin Herter would put in a quick six from behind the arc, or, or Trey Young would hit a big shot. And that's what those guys do well. And, you know, they're gonna, they're talented, so they're going to keep knocking on the door. But, I mean, this is almost the exact opposite of what happened in Orlando, where the Jazz scored just 15 points in the fourth quarter against the Magic on Sunday. Hawks scored just 18 in the fourth quarter tonight. I mean, second night of a back-to-back, it's really hard to play good teams. Well, in all fairness, the Jazz only scored 15 points tonight in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But it yeah. didn't turn out to matter. <laughs> Same number. All right. Uh, Post game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. The My Subaru Is campaign features real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse, and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own at mysubaruis.com. 110 to 98 is final. We'll uh, break this one, continue to break this one down next here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show on the Jazz Radio Network. Jake Scott, Ben Anderson sitting in for Coach Lacombe tonight. Post game is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, featuring the My Subaru Is campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. Your score tonight uh, the Jazz beat the Atlanta Hawks 110. Uh, 298. Apparently, uh, the players are done with their post game sound tonight. Ben, we only got two. I guess they're in a hurry. There's a concert. Jack Harlow, who was at the game tonight, sitting courtside, went and played a show across the street, which is that's probably a fun lifestyle. It's like you go and sit courtside at a basketball game, an NBA game. He and Donovan Mitchell are friends, they have some Louisville connection. He might be from Louisville. Okay, I don't really know that much about Jack Harlow, but. Uh, they have an old relationship going back quite a ways, kind of before even Jack Harlow was the guy that we know now as, as a very famous person. Uh, and he's playing across the street. So uh, the Jazz wanted to get out of their uh, media. Uh, like, hey, 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 good game, good game, got to go. Yeah, to take off. But you know what? It, that's, 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 we talk about being at home, and we so often say, oh, it's the ability to sleep in your own bed, or it's the ability to do. It's like you get to have a real life. And I bet you that is so nice, especially after the last two years when, you know, you got to tip your cap to these players. They didn't get themselves in trouble by going out, you know, on nights when they weren't supposed to be going out. They were they were sticking around. They were staying in. For the most part, they were minding their business in the bubble and, and not getting in trouble. Ironically, do you remember who was the guy who got Lou Williams, who we saw tonight, in trouble, in the bubble? 
it was Jack Harlow who took the picture of uh, Lou Williams. Remember eating? Was it really eating wings? Yeah. He was eating wings with Jack Harlow, and Jack Harlow tweeted out the photo of Lou Williams who played tonight for the Hawks. And I bet Lou went across the street to maybe catch a few before Probably. Atlanta flies out. Whoops! You think you think Lou's mad about that? It might have cost him a little money. That was like the. Well, I, I'm try, I shouldn't say the only ridiculous story from somebody breaking rules at the bubble. I'm sure there was. Rashawn Holmes went out and got a burrito. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crossed the line to get a burrito. But that one, where he's just getting some chicken wings. Just <laughs> enjoying, Atlanta. enjoying the wings. Yeah. No, but what, uh, you know, Lockaboon were talking a, lot of, a little bit about this on the broadcast. I mean, what, what all teams in the NBA had to go through last year was, was really something. Uh, because it was uh, very restrictive. One one great part about Joe Ingles coming on the station uh, during it all is we got a chance to kind of view things through his lens, and he talked all the time, uh, Ben, as you know, about the testing and the testing. you yeah. got to be here for the testing and go home, and then come back and, and, you know, the rigmarole and everything that they had to go through, let alone, you know, being isolated on the road and all those sorts of things made it, I'm, I'm sure, an extraordinarily difficult season. Uh, and this year, I'm you know, people are still being careful and there's still some rules out there, but I'm sure it is nice to be able to go across the street to a concert and, and to be able to live life a little bit and, and be a normal person. We always forget these athletes are people. Yep. It's not easy to do what they do. Yeah. And you know what? We talked to Justin Zanuck about it on, uh, during media day. And, and I asked him if he was you know comfortable with where his team was on the vaccination level. And he said, you know, every guy's vaccinated. And, and those are just little things. I mean, honestly, regardless of how you feel about it, these guys can sit together on the plane. That's not true of every team in the NBA right now. These sure. guys can all eat dinner together. That's not true of every team in the NBA right now. So having these little moments where Hassan Whiteside is probably dipping over there as well, which is why he jumped off his, his call kind of quickly. You know, that's Donovan Mitchell and Hassan Whiteside who need to have this chemistry on the floor, having this chemistry off the floor. That's the advantage of, A, having a leader like Donovan Mitchell who has that charisma and that ability to be so likable and everyone to like him, uh, but, B, that he wants to like people and he wants people to be involved, and I think that's one of the reasons why this team has played well. And and the chemistry has felt very real. It doesn't feel like something they're just talking about. Whereas you look across the court tonight, and you and I both had a couple of moments where we are looking at guys taking some shots that felt very much out of the flow of the offense. Even though they went in, it felt like they were playing a little, hey, my turn, my turn. And that's a really dangerous way to play basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, you're going to get your shots up regardless. It definitely had that feel a little bit. Let's get a look at uh, tonight's Master of the Glass Band, brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass, local vehicle glass expert here for another great year of basketball. Proud to be the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light Auto Glass is also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass Rebound program. At the end of the regular season, Safe Light will donate $5 to the United Way of Utah for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader uh and ben once again uh your uh, master of the glass tonight as usual rudy gobert yeah. 14 rebounds tonight for rudy three of those came on the offensive side hassan whiteside added eight boards royce o'neill uh had five have we had a game where rudy hasn't been the master of the glass yet not while i've been here no nope. uh no he's had he had another big night uh in orlando and in miami as well uh, but the reason it's funny, his number is down 14, which is still a terrific number. I think sure. that's higher than his season average last season. He was, you know, 13 point something. Uh, but it's because the Jazz have been shooting so poorly. And in fact, because the Jazz had the second best three point defense in the NBA, other teams were also shooting poorly, which meant there was just 10 more rebounds available. And Rudy Gobert was a vacuum and was just was pulling them all down. When the Jazz make shots and shoot 50% from the floor and 40% from the three-point line, and the Hawks shoot 51% from the three-point line, there's just not going to be as many rebounds, but Gobert still had a huge uh, percentage. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if tonight was his highest rebounding percentage of the season because there were so few shots. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, the Jazz crunched the Hawks on the boards tonight. Uh, Let's see, what was it? 44 to 32. 44 to 32. So, I mean, there was... 
that's a significant advantage. In fact, I, I continue. Last year, I was super surprised with how well the Jazz rebounded. And this year, they've just continued. It totally is a credit to Rudy Gobert because outside of Rudy and Hassan Whiteside, they still are a very undersized team. Yep. And I think uh, end up rebounding above their weight just because uh, of well how good a rebounder the Rudy is. And then throw in Hassan, who played a, a, maybe a few more minutes than he usually does. But if you can get eight boards, come in play in 23 minutes and add uh, a block shot, and uh, an efficient three of four from the field, but specifically the rebounding. I mean, that's a huge deal. Hey, if you can keep Rudy Gobert at 24 minutes in game 11 and win a game, do you know how big that's going to be at the end of the season? I mean, Rudy Gobert wasn't having to play half the game as opposed to his normal 33 or 34 minutes. And look, Rudy wants to play. He's mega competitive. Sure. But if you can keep him down around 24 minutes and let Whiteside eat up 22, 23 minutes every once in a while, Sure. Who has, a, who has a problem with that? Take I mean, it. that's gonna that's gonna pay dividends down the stretch. You know whose night I liked, uh, and we didn't talk about him much, uh, and he had seven points and five rebounds. It was actually Eric Paschal. And one of the things I saw, and I'll be curious if this follows up. We'll see him again Thursday night against the Indiana Pacers. It looked like Quinn Snyder was putting him in more situations to be successful. He wasn't only sitting at the three point line shooting threes, and he actually went one of two tonight. But he had a couple of opportunities where he got his ball, got the ball back to the basket. Eight feet, nine feet. That's where he was so good his rookie season for the Golden State Warriors. He could kind of operate with his huge size and really good quickness where he could get one or two steps towards the basket and score or he can shoot over you. And he's got good touch. He just hasn't developed it out to 22 feet yet. Uh, if you can get him the ball in spots where he can go three or four from the floor and give you seven points because he's got a mismatch, and he's not looking for shots otherwise, that's that's really advantageous. So I thought Eric Pascal was good tonight. Well, yeah, you used the word mismatch. I mean, honestly, who are you going to guard that guy with? Right. I mean, not to not to compare it to football, and certainly, you know, Eric Pascal isn't what, uh, Pascal, excuse me, isn't to basketball what Gronk is to football. No, he's but, a tight end. But that's what made Gronk so great is who are you going to guard that he's guy with? He's a tight with? end. That's yeah. exactly what he is. He's so athletic, and he's bigger than everybody. So you don't need him to get 15 shots a night. You're going to be in trouble, I think, probably if he's getting 15 shots a night because that's not his game, and that's not the Jazz's game. But if you can, if your guys can recognize the four or five possessions a game where he's got a mismatch and he can go three or four and, you know, two of those shots are from the mid-range, I know that's not the shot you're necessarily looking for, but if he makes them, they're good shots. And Quinn Snyder said that quite a bit, uh, as opposed to saying, hey, we're going to have you go one of five from the three-point line or oh four from the three-point line just, you know, because you're yep. on the floor and we want you to spread the floor. I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing. So what, what, what Eric Paschal did tonight was really good. And I'll be curious if we see some more of that going forward. Well, and he can guard anybody else on the other side of the floor, which makes him usable, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it makes it and so. In fact, it's the only reason he's on the floor right now. Yeah, he can actually point. play a little bit of defense. Right. Yeah. And and switch and, and guard anybody really one through five because of that size and athleticism. And then, you know, every time he's talked about in postgame uh, interviews, the, the word energy comes up because he's just all over the floor and uh, can go out there and really be physical. And he's another guy who's not being asked to play 30 minutes. So he can go in there for 15 and pour it all out. And, hey, he's really effective when he does that. I, I'm with you, and absolutely a, a walking mismatch. We haven't talked about Bogdanovich tonight, Ben. He had 18 points, 5-13 shooting, but uh, what I liked about uh, Bogdanovich is he was 6-6 six six from the line. He led the, uh, the Jazz tonight in attempts. Jazz only took 16 free throws, but uh, I know everybody thinks he's a three-point assassin, and, of course, that's his, uh, you know, his best role when he has it going. But I like his going to the basket game. And if he can go to the line a bunch while he's going to the basket and score a little more efficiently in that standpoint, I mean, it just adds other facets to his game that you have to worry about. As long as he's not turning the ball over, you're happy to have uh, Boyan put the ball on the floor and, and get six free throws because he really is pretty – he's pretty difficult to defend with his size, and he plays smart because he puts his elbows into your face and then keeps the ball high. 
So you're either going to get elbow in the nose or you're going to foul him. So you don't get hit. And that's why he does end up leading the team in free throws so often. He did again tonight, as you mentioned, with six free throw attempts. Uh, and then on top of that, he's an you know, 83, 84-plus percent free throw shooter. Yeah, you so, want him at so the So he line. makes them. Yep. Uh, so if he can do that and not turn the ball over, he can be really helpful. And, uh, you know, he was the guy who you signaled out before the season you thought was going to have a big year and get and rebound close to 20 points a game. Uh, I don't think he's going to get there. He won't get there, but, but look, 18 as the team's second-leading scorer, if he can do that consistently, especially when Mike Conley, I thought, had a fine night. But you remember we talked before the game and we said, you know, Mike Conley's kind of been indispensable on this team and has been either the second or third best jazz player most nights. That just wasn't the case tonight. He might have been the worst starter on the floor, which is fantastic. If Mike Conley's going to be your worst starter on the floor, you're going to win every game. I love that. Uh, keeps his elbows high. So you, that's such an old man at the gym move. And he's the like, he is an old man <laughs> yeah, at the gym. He really is. He's like, you're going to either eat this elbow or foul me. Yep. That's your two options. So yep. good luck with that. Boy, I, don't, I mean, he's a 31 or something right now. So he's the old guy on the team. I One know. of them. I, I feel like the that's the advice that the old guy pulls the youngster aside at the gym and be like, hey, okay, listen, you want to you wanna make your living down, go to the basket? Get your elbow here. So you're either going to – somebody's going to be missing teeth or you're going to complete the play. Yeah, and Solomon Hill and John Collins had eight fouls combined. Yeah, some of that's because they were tasked with trying to stay in front of yeah. Boyan Bogdanovich. And yeah, he's play. He plays a, a really key role on this team. And and you said you know it's kind of an aggressive hot take on my part to say that he's going to get back to twenty points. But uh, I mean, when he's on, he's really good, and he makes the Jazz unguardable when he's on. Yeah, if he can hit threes and spread the floor. And, and again, to go back to things Quinn Snyder has said, I mean, he was talking about him last night. Remember Boyan had that big, was it 49 against Denver? I think he had 49 points against Denver in a game that Donovan Mitchell and maybe even Mike Conley didn't play. I mean, he has freakish scoring abilities. I mean, he is an elite, elite scorer at the NBA level, and the Jazz have him as their you know third or fourth guy that they can go to. Uh, and that can be hard for some of those guys to get rhythm, but he doesn't complain about it. I've never once heard him say he wants to get more shots. He gets a ton of open looks throughout the game because of the gravity that everyone else on the floor has. And, and you know, that's just been good for his career and it's going to continue to be good as long as he can knock down shots, and he does. And he always plays. I, I should probably knock on wood when I say that, but this dude doesn't get hurt. Mr. Remember Iron his, Man. Remember his first, was it his first game where he rolled his second ankle game. bad? Second game where and, he rolled his ankle the bad. the Lakers game the next night, I think. Uh, and then yeah. the rest of the year, just pff, nails. Yeah. And then we found out he was playing with a broken wrist. Yeah, he's just, he's. He, he doesn't miss games. You look back his whole career, he just doesn't miss games. Yeah, ever. Yeah. Iron Man. Just, and, that's cool. Well, and there's some luck in there, too. I mean, you talk to guys who, who enjoy health throughout their career. Yeah. Like, talk to our, our friend Hans Olsen, who, who of course, uh, uh, hosts with Scotty G from uh, Noon to Three right here on the Zone Sports Network, that, uh, you know, Hans had, like, one major hand injury in his career. Yeah. And other than that, was, was healthy all through his time at BYU and into the uh, AFL and such. And he'll tell you, you know, a lot of his personal preparation is staying in shape and all this stuff, but a lot of it is – you know, kind of luck. Carl you know, Malone didn't get hurt for 18 seasons. His right. 19th year with the Lakers, someone steps under him on a jump shot and he blows his knee out. Right. And then he doesn't get to play in the finals and they lose. You know, like he was, he had good health, but it was also good luck for 18 and a half seasons. And then yep. you have that wrong step and, and eventually it gets you, unfortunately. But John, you hear those legends about how his ankle was, uh, you know, the size he of He did a have micro fracture surgery, which we've, we don't do anymore because it's so bad for you. <laughs> and he returned like 30 games later. That's pretty amazing. He was a freak. That yeah. was a freakish person. That's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. But Bogdanovich has a little bit of that going where he doesn't miss games. And he's, he, I, I think his wrist was way more of an issue last yeah. year than, than certainly he let on. 
And the Jazz don't like to make excuses and that sort of thing. But he just goes out there and plays. And it seems like he's healthy now, Ben. And he's he's gotten off to a good start. Maybe not what people would say is a great start of the season, but he's gotten off to a good start. I thought he played really well tonight. Yeah. And if it's anything like he did last season where he really found his stroke in the second half of the year as he kind of got going, which historically, if you look back at him, I remember when he joined the Jazz, uh, kind of looking at how his seasons go, he generally does have a little bit of a slow start to the year before he finds his rhythm. That you know, that's going to be an extremely beneficial bonus for the Jazz if he gets better because he's already doing what you need to from your, you know, really probably your th- fourth option in this in the starting lineup. Right. You want a lob to Rudy, you want Donovan taking shots, or you want Mike Conley taking shots. So that's a good spot. All right, uh, the Jazz win tonight, one ten to ninety eight over the Atlanta Hawks. We'll get Ben Anderson's final thoughts on this one coming up next. Post game is brought to you by a Mark Miller Subaru and the My Subaru is campaign featuring real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own at mysubaruis.com. We've got the play of the game coming up for you next as well, right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Gobert knocks it away. Back-to-back brilliant defensive plays by Gobert. Bogdanovich on the run. Finds Donovan. No look. Rudy slams up. There you go. That's your play of the game, courtesy of our good friend David Locke, and it's brought to you by Larry H. Miller Dealerships for service, sales, and selection. LHMauto.com, driven by you. Jazz win tonight over the Hawks here at Vivint Arena, 110-98. to uh, post game is brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru featuring the My Subaru Ways campaign. Real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Share your story for a chance to win prizes. Learn more and share at markmillersubaru.com. The Jazz now move to 8-3 and three on the season. The Hawks fall to 4-8. and eight. They are 1-7 and seven on the road is this Hawks team. Uh, just a quick review of the stats of your just joining us. Donovan Mitchell led the way for the Jazz with 27 points, 11 of 20 shooting. Um... Uh, as we talked about in the last segment, Boyan Bogdanovich had 18. Jordan Clarkson had 16 coming in off the bench. Mike Conley with 12. Royce O'Neal with 11 tonight as Royce played pretty well. Five boards, four assists for him. Rudy with nine points, 14 boards, two block shots. Hassan Whiteside coming in off the bench, eight points, eight boards, but added a block shot of uh, his own. Eric Paschal had seven points coming in off the bench, five points, and uh, and two assists. But Ben, uh, big story of the night. Jazz shot the ball well from three, 39.5%, 15 of 38 from three for this jazz team as uh, Jordan Clarkson and Donovan Mitchell specifically got their stroke back tonight. Jordan Clarkson, four of nine from three, Donovan Mitchell, five of 11. Let's revisit some of the conversation we had during pregame and what Quinn Snyder said in his pregame comments about the jazz having the second best offensive rating, despite the fact that they've shot poorly. Uh, you know, they were at what 13.3, I think is the number that we pointed out before the game is what their offensive rating was. Which, yeah, it has been good in the NBA. They were only behind the Philadelphia 76ers entering the night, and they're still behind the 76ers, though they're one-tenth of a, of a point from being the number one offensive rating in the NBA. But here's what making threes does for you. It takes that 113 and bumps it up to a 122.2 tonight, which was nine points better than anyone in the NBA right now. That's the difference. You know, yeah, you have 42 points in the paint, and that's elite. That's incredible. We talked about how good of a number that is. And you got to the free throw line 16 times. That's not, you know, the 29 we've seen a couple of times already this season. But 16's okay. It's not a great number. Uh, But if you hit threes and you score 42 points in the paint, which the Jazz, I mean, the perfect box score or the perfect, you know, shooting chart is Rudy Gobert getting dunks, a bunch of layups from Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley off the pick and roll or Boyan Bogdanovich driving, or the Jazz hitting threes because of all that gravity. That's what you want, and that's what you got tonight. 42 points in the paint, what, 45 points on three-point shots? You know, that's 
that's terrific. That, those are the numbers you're looking for, even though, as we talked about, the offense wasn't great in the fourth quarter. 122 offensive rating. You're not going to lose a lot of those games, and they didn't tonight. The Hawks had Kevin Herter lead the way with 28 points, and he was red hot, certainly. 11 of 18 from the field, 6 of 9 from 3. Trey Young with 27. He also had 6 assists. Uh, Clint Capella had 13 points and 12 boards. Uh, Cam Reddish had 16 uh, coming in off the bench. Let me ask you this real quick, Ben. Uh, the slow start from the Hawks, is it uh, is it changing your opinion on where you thought the Hawks would be at the end of the year? Not particularly. I, I thought that it was just as likely they would get eliminated in the first round again this year as it was they'd go back to the conference finals. Now, they need to make the playoffs. I certainly don't think I thought they'd be, what are they, 4-8? and eight? I didn't think they would be 4-8. and eight. I thought they would be a 500 or better team and maybe even knock on the door for 50 wins. And they can. It's early. They're young. Nate McMillan's a fantastic coach. I think they can still get back to that level, but they're going to have to dig themselves out of this hole and they've still got another, I think they go to Denver next. I mean, you know, it's not going to get easier, even though they're not going to have Nikola Jokic after his suspension. But it's so hard to win consistently in the NBA. It's just so hard to be good every single night. And they've got really good players. I like the depth. I'm not sure they have a ton of veteran players that have won before. Like Clint, Pe- Clint Capella won in Houston, but he was the third or fourth best guy on that team because it wasn't the guy. Trey Young's only in his third year, fourth year now, and and made a conference finals and was lights out in the playoffs. I mean, he was so fun to watch against the Knicks and then against Philly. I mean, it was was incredible what they did, and they even gave Milwaukee a run for their money. But, you know, it's just hard to do that. We saw Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer and Mehmet Okur make kind of a freak run to the conference finals, and then they never got back there. Like, it's so hard to win in the NBA that, no, I'm not terribly surprised, and I won't be surprised if they get eliminated in the first round. Eastern Conference is kind of funny right now. There's some teams that are toward the top of the East that I don't think have staying power. I don't know if you're a believer in the Wizards. I am not. No, I, I think that I eventually that will, will start to collapse. I don't think Cleveland stays. There. Right now they're at 7-4 on the five slot in the Eastern Conference. I don't see that continuing. The Raptors are at 6-5. and five. They're in the eight spot. So, you know, there's some teams that are going to move down. But the Bucks right now are 5-6. and six. I would guess that's going to get better. The The Celtics are 4-6. and six. I hope that doesn't get better, but I would guess that will get better. Jalen Brown's out for a couple of weeks. Right. Yeah, they, they could be in some trouble. But the Hawks at 4-8, and eight, I, I absolutely expect them to make the playoffs unless this turns into a complete collapse, but I just don't see that happening to an up-and-coming team. This is the hard part about what the Hawks are facing right now because, what, are they 1-7 on the road? Is that what we decided? Yep. They're one, mm-hmm. So eight of their 12 games have been away from Atlanta. So that's really hard. They faced a lot of adversity early in the season. Now, when you're the Jazz last year, you remember, Jake, they started 4-4. Four and four. They had those back-to-back losses where they got absolutely stomped in, in Brooklyn from Kyrie Irving, had a great first quarter. And then they lost in New York the next night, and the Knicks hit, I think, like 23s in that game. They, did, they went crazy. Uh, and the Jazz were 4-4. Four and four, And that was, like, kind of significant adversity for a team that was expected to come out and be competing for a championship. Right. And then they go into Milwaukee without Joe Ingles, and they win that game, and they take off. But they could withstand a little bit of adversity adversity early in the season because you have a Mike Conley, because you have a Joe Ingles, because you have veterans who have won before. Even Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert have been around long enough that, that they're not going to get rattled by these slow starts. I don't know if I trust that Atlanta isn't going to get rattled by the slow start and be mentally tough enough to put it together to fix by the end of the year. You need Clint Capella to step up. You need Lou Williams to step up. You need DeLon Wright to step up. You need Solomon Hill to step up. Some of these guys that are the veterans on the team need to have Nate McMillan's back, and I'm, I'm sure they do, But and say, hey, this is fine. We're not playing poorly. We need to buy in. We need to start moving in the right direction, and that's how we'll start winning again. But being young and losing early can be end up being young, being unhappy, and losing all season long. 
All right, Ben, hit us with a final thought or two uh, before we close the book on this one. Uh, I think we have seen, for the most part, the end of the Jazz shooting woes. Okay, I'm knocking on wood, Ben. Yeah, I think, I know we've seen one-offs, and in fact, the only other team they've really shot really well against was Atlanta last week, so maybe it's an Atlanta thing, but I feel like the confidence of being at home, shooting in the same gym, seeing that ease that we mentioned earlier from Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson, how, how good that felt for them to make those shots. You could see it on their faces. I think that's going to end up having a, a, a lasting effect, especially over the next four games that are home and nine of the next 11 now that are in Salt Lake City. So my final thought is I'm ready to throw that out, cast that out, say the Jazz bad shooting for the season has ended. All right. So you heard it here first from our guy Ben You know Anderson. what the good news is? I don't have to come back and do pre- and post-game shows. No. <laughs> so I don't have to <laughs> so answer you, for this. Yes, you do, from 10 to noon, buddy, yeah. every single day. We'll hold you accountable regardless of what show you say it on, of course. Uh, why, uh, well, actually, let's go to the thank yous. Thanks to Lock and Boom. Great job, those guys calling all the work. Thanks to our broadcast assistants uh, tonight. Thanks to Jeff, of course, executive producer of Jazz Game 9. Appreciate uh, the fine work executive? Jeff does. I threw the executive in there, right? Wow. He's running the show Vice back there. Vice president of broadcasting, <laughs> Jeff. Should we de- uh, elevate it up be, to the VP You made him an executive. Yeah. Well, I've never true. been an executive. <laughs> Jeff doing a great job. Of course, as he does every night. Thanks to the title sponsor of the postgame show, Mark Miller Subaru. The My Subaru is campaign features real stories from real Mark Miller Subaru customers. Subaru owners are diverse, and each has a unique story to share. Read some and share your own at MySubaruIs.com. And, of course, thanks to you, Ben Anderson. What uh, what you write about tonight? We got Heir something up to at- the throne, Jeff. What did I write about? Yeah, we got summed up at kslsports.com. Well, I did the post game, the recap. I'm still writing my analysis piece. Uh, yeah, you know, Jazz and their losing streak, flipping the script on Orlando uh, of what from from what happened in Orlando, and of course getting their shooting back on uh, back on the right direction. If you are not reading all of Ben's work at kslsports.com, you are extremely uninformed when it comes to Utah Jazz basketball. Just throwing that out there. I agree. Yeah, so get that done. Three more. Make that happen. Uh, one ten to ninety eight is your final. Jazz win. They beat the Atlanta Hawks to move to eight and three on the season. Our next broadcast is coming your way on Thursday night. The Indiana Pacers will be in town. A game will tip off at seven o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at six, and of course, you'll hear it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network.